So open your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 1. Tonight is the second to last or the penultimate sermon in this Sunday night series on the life of the prophet Elijah. We ended last Sunday night with the prophetic dogs licking the blood of Ahab out of his chariot. And we begin tonight with a new king of Israel, his son Ahaziah. Our text is the entire first chapter of 2 Kings, if you would read with me. After the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria and lay sick. So he sent messengers telling them, go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this sickness. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, arise and go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, it is because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah went. The messengers returned to the king and said to him, why have you returned? Well, the king said, why have you returned? And they said to him, there came a man to meet us and said to us, go back to the king who sent you and say to him, thus saith the Lord, it is because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. And he said to them, what kind of man was this who came to meet you and told you those things? And they answered, He wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather around his waist. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50. And he went up to Elijah who was sitting on the top of a hill and said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. But Elijah answered the captain of 50, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Again, the king sent to him another captain of 50 men with his 50. And he answered and said to him, O man of God, this is the king's order. Come down quickly. But Elijah answered them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Again, the king sent the captain of a third 50 with his 50. And the, thir- and the third captain of the 50 went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and entreated him, O man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed two former captains of 50 with their 50s, but now let my life be Precious in your sight. And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king. And he said to him, Thus saith the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. It is because there is no God in Israel to inquire of his word. Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. 
So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Joram became king in his place in the second year of Joram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because Ahaziah had no son. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaziah that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Let's pray. Lord, teach us something about yourself tonight. Help us see that you are a God that was truly unchangeable in your being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The eyes get weaker, the TV blares. The hair gets thinner, what hair still remains. The song goes on. The belt gets wider, as does the waist. I never figured on being this vast. Look in the mirror, that's not my face. It's happened so hard and so fast. Now I, 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 I am my dad. Oh, I, 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 I am my dad. And I don't know if any of you have had that experience. I certainly have, and it's true. But if it, if it were only true to physical characteristics, that would be okay. But we have many sayings, don't we, about a son taking after his father, and in this case, his mother as well. We say things like, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, Uh, like father, like son, uh, cut from the same cloth, a chip off the old block, etc. And that's precisely what we have in front of us in this text tonight. As we move into 2 Kings, for a little context, let's look at the last three verses of 1 Kings chapter 22, starting at verse 51. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned two years over Israel. In verse 52, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother And in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. In this case, it's like father and mother, like son. Ahaziah loved evil. The text says that he worshipped Baal, served Baal, provoking the Lord to anger. As we ride through this narrative tonight, we'll continue the theme that we've seen all through Elisha's greater narrative, and that is first, a man consumed by evil. Uh, We've, up to this point, been dealing with Ahab and now his son Ahaziah. And the true prophet of God, who is the one and only true God, who is a consuming fire. A man consumed with evil, and a God who is a consuming fire. Let's look now at the man consumed with evil. Look back again at verse 52. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of his father and mother, and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. (coughs) 
Now, I think we would be remiss at this point if we didn't at least make a comment on Ahaziah's following in the footsteps of wicked parents and thinking about our duty and desire of our children to follow after righteousness. Martin Luther mentions three ways that, quote, even well-meaning Christian parents actually assist the devil in destroying their own children. Luther mentions three things. One, coddling and spoiling. He says, particularly grievous with parents of means. Number two, failure to administer godly discipline. To Luther, that was both a lack of discipline itself or discipline done with harshness. And finally, failure to instruct children in the faith. He has interesting things to say about all three of these. But to Luther, the primary responsibility to their children that the parents have is quite simply to live holy and godly lives. Listen to this quote from Luther. For God has given this estate the care of souls upon whom parents may lavish a great plenty of their Christian works. Fathers and mothers are apostles. Fathers and mothers are bishops. Fathers and mothers are pastors to their children as they raise them in the knowledge of the Holy Gospels. No greater or noble power exists on earth than that of parents over their children. For it is a power to both their secular and spiritual good for eternity. This begs a question, obviously, doesn't it? For all of us in here, would you want your children to follow in your ways, your public ways, your private ways, your secret ways? knowing that they probably will. That doesn't humble moms and dads, nothing will. So to verse 1 and 2 of 2 Kings now, after the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria and lay sick. So he sent messengers telling them, go inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, whether I should recover from this sickness. In a very short time, Ahaz, as happens on transitions of power, doesn't it, is having trouble on all sides. Politically, the Moabites have been paying Israel tribute. We see this later in 2 Kings. For since the time of David, they've been paying a tribute of 100,000 lambs, and the the wool from a hundred thousand sheep every year, or goats every year, and figured with Ahab gone, perhaps now would be a time to stop the payment. There's unrest in Israel, and, and then this accident happens to this man. It says that he falls through the lattice, most likely a, protect, a protecting barrier around the roof of his marble palace. This fall is life-threatening, and he is bedridden, and he tells his messenger to go to Ekron, 
at the top of the Philistine territory, and it's interesting where this is located, it's still on the map. It's still there north of the Palestine, or Philistine territory, just north of what we now call the Gaza Strip. Now, why did Ahaziah have to send his messenger, messengers out of Israel for this reading and for this consultation? Well, it's simply because there are no prophets of Baal left in Israel. You recall him calling down fire uh, at Mount Carmel, and then verse 39 of, of 1 Kings 18 says, And when all the people saw this, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let none of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, 850 total false prophets, who the text earlier says all ate at the table of Jezebel. They're all gone. They're all killed. Now, Ahaziah would have also ate at his mother's table. Ahaziah went to this church of 850 prophets. He undoubtedly knew, if not most of them, uh, that were slaughtered by Elijah. Yet despite witnessing this, Ahaziah clang, uh, clung to his demonic pagan religion. And although seeing and experiencing one of the greatest exhibitions and displays of the power of God, he hangs on to this evil, inquiring of Beelzebub, the Lord of flies, am I going to live? Verse 3 but the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up and meet that messengers and tell them that it's because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. Now therefore, saith the Lord, you shall not come down from that bed that you've gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah went. So they go back to Ahaziah. And again, Ahaziah doesn't see the fact that God, the only true God of Israel, has actually intervened here. How else would this message have got back to him? But look what he says in verse 7. He says, what kind of man was it he who came to meet you and told you those things? And verse 8 is such a fantastic verse. They answered him, he wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather about his waist and... Ahaziah knows exactly who it is. And he says, and you can almost hear the despair, it is Elijah the Tishbite. And if this is not proof text for an irresistible grace, brothers and sisters, I don't know where there would be one. It's been between three and four years now since Elijah has been on the scene. Uh, Ahaziah probably figured he's gone somewhere, he's not back. And you would think at this point, would he not, just for the sake of his own life, not say something like the people at Mount Carmel did? We give up. Ahaziah, I give up. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. Anyone with any common sense would do that. Anyone save this wicked king 
from wicked parents, a seed of the serpent, a vessel of wrath fit for destruction, like father and mother, like son. We turn away now from the, for the time being from this man consumed with evil to Elijah and his God, a God of consuming fire, the Lord God Almighty. Ahaziah now tries to do what neither his father nor mother could do. This evil man, instead of seeing and seeking the true God, he turns his hatred, as all non-elect eventually will. He turns his hatred of God into the hatred and the killing of God's man to destroy his word. Verse 9, And the king sent to him a captain of fifty men with his fifty. And he went up to Elijah who was sitting at the top of the hill. Don't you love that? Uh, He's wide open at the top of the hill. He's not hiding. He's sitting up there. He knows they're coming and it's Go ahead. Come on. There's Elijah. And when I see Elijah up there, I think of a grizzled, old, mature, confident, faithful man of God. I think R.C. Sproul with camel hair and a big beard. Or, or, Or maybe just John Knox, exactly how he was, just sitting up there. Just sitting on top of that hill, wide open. Here I am. Come and get me. And they try. Oh, man of God, the king says, come down. But Elijah answers the captain of 50, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And then fire came down and consumed him and his 50. Whoosh! I don't know if any of you have seen, saw any of those viral videos a number of years ago where these crazy idiots, all men, of course, uh, tried, to, tried to create these scenes with liquid oxygen. Now, liquid oxygen is one of the most flammable things on earth, and it's made by taking o- the oxygen and putting it in a, a little tube and having it surrounded by liquid nitrogen, which is a higher boiling point, and it, you can turn actual oxygen to liquid oxygen. And what these guys would do, they would work weeks to get like this much uh, liquid oxygen and it has like a light blue tint. And then they would start these grills and then they would take these 10-foot poles and put these suits on and put these put the, over the grill. Can't you see these guys doing this? And then turn the liquid oxygen on these grills. And the only way you can explain it is it looks like fire is coming down from heaven and destroying these barbecues. And then at this huge pillar of, of smoke and, and the, the camera can't even adjust because it's pure white and hot. And then they go up to the pile uh, afterwards and these big gas grills are gone. The metal is gone. The little glass you know, uh, temperature gate, it's gone. It's, there's nothing there but ash everywhere. <clears throat> and I think that's what happened to those 50s here. There must have been a crowd because the word gets back to Ahaziah and he sends another 50. This time, even more brazen. Look at verse 11. 
Again, the king sent to him another captain of 50 men with his 50. And he answered and said to him, obviously bolder, O man of God, this is the king's order. Come down quickly. Same hill. I imagine hearing the previous reports that maybe some of these men were ready to break ranks at this time. If I'm a man of God, kaboom, more ashes and liquid oxygen. Now, it's here that some Bible commentators simply just lose their minds. And they even accuse Elijah of breaking the sixth commandment by unnecessarily, unnecessarily killing people. But they obviously have missed the point, haven't they? Elijah could not call down fire to uh, kill anyone more than he could have originally called down fire to destroy the sacrifice at Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18, any more than he could have on his own raised the widow of Zarephath's son from the dead in 1 Kings 17. But he was the prophet of the Lord God of heaven and earth, and he is a jealous God, and he is a consuming fire. Two captains... A hundred soldiers, one man of God, 102 piles of ash. And we get the distinct feeling at this point that Ahaziah is going to keep sending 50s until all of his army is done. Until the last of the, of the captains arrives in verse 13. Again, the king sent the captain of the third 50 with his 50. And the third captain of 50 went and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and entreated him, O man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the two former captains, etc., etc. And we're not sure what Elijah is going to do at this point. It's like he has his orders. Yet this captain is fearful, as possibly the others were. And yes, he pleads for his own life, but so didn't that rich man in Luke 16. It's almost as if the text, and this is one of the beautiful things about the Hebrew language. It's almost as if, that, and we don't have anything like this in English, where the text itself actually has pacing. It slows down, it speeds up, and you can feel it as you read in the original language. And it's a, a, a way of creating tension, and that's exactly what's happened. Think about this. The text just seems to be slowing down as this third captain speaks. Oh, man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 Fifty servants of yours be precious in your sight. And the tension is rising. What is Elijah going to do with this 50? Let them be precious to your sight. It keeps stretching. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the two former captains of 50 men with their 50s. But now let my life be precious in your sight. Will he... Or won't he? It's almost an Abraham and Isaac moment. I mean, he, he's ready to say, if I'm a man of God, boom. We feel it. But then verse 15 hits us. 
Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid. So he arose and went down with him to the king. Relief. And he goes. And can't you just hear this captain of the third 50 ushering Elijah into the throne room? Make your way. I've got him. The man of God's coming. Excuse me. Out of the way. Come on. You know, gets in. King Elisha the Tishbite. He delivers him. And just like that, the story is over. The same thing exactly that was said now a third time is said again by Elisha. He says, Thus saith the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, it's because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word. Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. And it's like we want resolution here again. It's like the older brother in the story of the prodigal. The, the story just ends and we don't know his response. And we want to hear something like, oh, Elijah the Tishbite, you've had mercy on this third captain and his 50. Say the word to your God. Let me rise out of this bed and Israel will serve the true God. But Elijah simply says, therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die and verse 17 says, So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Done. The end. We're done. And the kind of the response is, eh, okay. He, he died just like that. Now, question, what can we take away from this very strange exchange? I think in many ways it's a difficult passage. And besides the role of Christian parents, which we touched on briefly, let me suggest as we close two things that we can learn from this text and apply. And I'd like to apply them by comparing our text in 2 Kings 1 to Hebrews chapter 1. So the first thing, and this is critical, the Old Testament God is the New Testament God. Listen to verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 1. And I read it in the King James because that's how I've memorized it as a youngster. And it's so beautiful. God who at sundry times and divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. What he's simply saying is there, many times in the past and in divers or different ways God has spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. That is exactly what we've seen tonight in our text. God acting uniquely, speaking and acting through his prophet. Now it's very common these days to hear preachers saying things like that we need to unhitch the New Testament from the Old Testament. Modern scientific man just can't handle the archaic Old Testament the genocide passages, the war chronicles and commands, the flood, even the comparison of our text tonight 
to the text of Luke 9, and you'll remember the story when the Samaritans rejected Jesus in verse 54 of Luke 9. It says, and when the disciples James and John saw it, that the Samaritans had rejected the message and rejected Christ, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Same exact word, consume here. They obviously knew the story of Elijah. But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. Yet, let it be known, brothers and sisters, that the next fire that comes down from heaven will be the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. When the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And after all, isn't it in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 13, that says, let us offer to our God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Why? For our God is a consuming fire. The Old Testament God is the New Testament God. And the question that I would have for us all, do we even chafe a little bit by thinking of, should we fear the Lord? And do we fear the Lord? You notice the command before the pronouncement of our God is a consuming fire. You notice what that command is. It's that we need to offer God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And we can't hide behind the shenanigans of things that are passed as biblical worship in the modern general evangelical scene. In places like one of the largest uh, and most popular churches in the entire world, Evangelical Church in California this summer had a series of movie sermons and the new pastor and his wife, also a pastor, came and dressed as Woody and Bo Peep for worship. And those are easy targets, but do we in this place offer God in here acceptable worship and acceptable with reverence and fear? The Old Testament God is the New Testament God. And then finally, back to Hebrews 1, where we started, like father, like son. Look at this text. God, I'll put in the father, who at sundry times and divers manner spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. Oh, look how this son is also just like his father. And look at what this son has done for us. Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, who Christ being the brightness of his father's glory and the express image of his father's person and upholding all things by the word of his Father's power, 
When he had by himself purged our sins, where did he go? He sat down at the right hand of his Father's majesty on high. Verse 4, being made so much better than the angels, he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels has he said at any time, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. Yes, we bear the image and likeness many times of the characteristics as we have already seen of our earthly fathers. For better or worse, this son was one and remains one with his father. Like father, like son. Do you know him tonight? Do you love him tonight? Do you strive to be like him tonight? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this rather obscure and difficult little passage. Lord, we thank you for this prophet, this man of God. Thank you for your word, how it speaks to us, guides us, and always leads us to the same place, to your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit are the God who changes not. Help us to worship you, even tonight, with a holy fear, a holy reverence and awe. In the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.